You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. Once again, I would like to take a moment and give a quick Thank you for all the nice messages and reviews. This podcast is growing fast, and it's because of women like you, and I really appreciate it. So keep on keeping on. If you like the show, spread the word, screenshot it, share it on your socials, review it where you get your podcasts. It's working. It's really helping the show to grow, and I really appreciate it. Before we get to this week's show, I have a couple of announcements. Um, One, we have made a new Facebook group. And we're calling it the Menopause Feisties. Uh, Here's how the group will work. For the next 10 weeks or so, we're going to go live every Monday at 4 o'clock Eastern Time to answer your questions because I'm getting a lot of questions and a lot of people want to sort of connect with each other and it seemed like the natural next step. So this will be a place for you to learn from each other and find community and feel free to post questions, products or ideas that have worked for you. Uh, We have a bunch of women in there already sharing stories, and it's super to see. It's a private group, so uh, we want to keep it free from spam and trolls and all that. So to join the group, you can search for The Menopause Feisties on Facebook, or just check the show notes. We'll have a link in there that you can use to join. Also, Stacey Sims, who you'll remember from the podcast launch, is offering her Menopause for Athletes course again. Uh, The course starts November 15th. You can get all the details and sign up at drstacysims.com backslash menopause is coming. Again, if you want a super duper deep dive into all of these topics, check it out. It's Dr. Stacy Sims and it's her menopause for athletes course. It's going to kick off again November 15th and all those details are available at drstacysims.com backslash menopause is coming. Okay, this week... I am thrilled to bring you Triathlon Hall of Famer Cherie Grunfeld. Cherie started running at age 42 with a marathon, and then she started triathlon with an Ironman at age 48. She has since done 28 Ironman races, won 13 World Ironman titles, won three half Ironman titles, and has set numerous course records all over the world. She is the founder and director of a nonprofit foundation called Exceeding Expectations that works with at-risk kids in San Bernardino area and through the sport of triathlon. So she has these kids training and racing and just does wonderful things in their lives. Sherry is also 76 years old, and she is as motivated to train and compete as anyone I have ever spoken to, and frankly, as she's ever been. So this one, this one is really inspirational. She shares so much awesome advice on training and life that I'm going to stop talking and let the interview take over from here. We ran a little on the long side, but her wisdom is totally worth it. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, I, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, coming on because it's just, your story is legendary. 
at this point. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm I'm excited. I I know maybe you you don't think that, but uh, to the outside, we all think it's kind of legendary. Um, I would like to for for people who don't know, you were not you were always active. You've you've said, but you weren't competitive, right? Until 42, when you got inspired watching the LA Marathon. Lying in bed on a Sunday morning with your husband eating sticky buns, <laughs> which is which I love so much. Uh, but you take me in that moment. Like, what light bulb went off that made you go, I think I'm going to do this? Well, um, <laughs> let me kind of lay some groundwork here. Okay. <laughs> um, first of all, you, you're right. I was not active. Uh, if you recall, at 76, I was raised before I went to school before Title IX. So yep. I had had no opportunity to uh, for any organized sports. But um, I was uh, raised by a couple of parents who did not coddle me at all. Uh, and so when I came home complaining that I couldn't get in any games because the, the boys were playing, they simply said to me, you want to get in the game? Just go. Just get in the game. And that was it. My mom. So I spent <laughs> my youth and uh, my whole life from that point on um, getting in the game. And uh, unbeknownst to me then, but in hindsight, I kind of believe that those that um, was building in me a confidence that if I could get in the game, I could figure it out and I could do it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that kind of tells you where I was, even though I wasn't active. Yeah, uh, I mean, no, I, wasn't, I, I totally I, relate to that. I, yeah, I did I that. I, we did have Title Nine, but my mom was the same. She's like, nope, you're going to get kicked in the face and everything else, but go yeah. ahead and you know, like, go get <laughs> That's it. That's exactly right. And we did get kicked in the face. <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> I did. I'm sure she did too. So uh, anyway, I, I didn't have much trouble believing I could do something, I did, you know, if it came along. Yeah. So um, yes, it was a, a, the story of how I went from doing nothing to marathoning and then Ironman is actually t a two-part story. And the okay. first part starts on a March morning in 1986. And that's what you described. We were lying in bed, drinking coffee, reading the paper, and eating sticky buns. <laughs> Not much of a <laughs> As healthy one does way to, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> to start a Sunday morning. Um, and I read in the paper that the first LA Marathon was going on that day. So I didn't run, and I didn't know anybody that did, but I thought that that sounded interesting. So I mm -hmm. turned on the TV because they said it was, I lived in LA. They said it was on TV. So mm -hmm. I turned on the TV and there it was. So I watched this race from wire to wire. And by the time it finished, I had made the commitment that I was going to the following year be one of those people. What was it about it? Like what, what? Well, what? that's an interesting question. You know what? I'd like to tell you, I got inspired. But honestly, I believe it was that I just got a little pissed off or disappointed in myself thinking all of those, there were 11,000 people mm -hmm. that first year, they had all set a goal and mm -hmm. worked hard. And on that Sunday morning, they were there testing themselves. And I was lying in bed eating sticky bones. You and did I have thought, a pretty high-profile job, though, right? It's not like you were just always lying in bed eating. Yeah. Oh bars. no. Yes, <laughs> you're you're absolutely yeah. right. In fact, we traveled. Both my husband and I had jobs where we traveled a lot. So Sunday mornings were really special to us because we got we were together, 
and it was yeah. the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I had a high-profile job, but all the same, I just felt like I wanted to be one of those people that yep. laid it out there. Mm-hmm. So um, the next day, I went out and bought a pair of shoes, uh, running shoes, and I went to a bookstore and bought a book called How to Run Your First Marathon, because in those <laughs> days, in, yeah, can you believe it? It was just about that simple, too. Um, uh, in those days, you didn't have Google that you could go to mm-hmm. and learn about how do you start running, and there were no running groups that I knew of, so I bought this book. And this book essentially said, learn to be on your feet for a long time. It wasn't much more complicated than that. Not bad advice. Yeah. Yeah. So I started running. And uh, that was in March. And in uh, August, so about five months later, I asked my husband to take drive. We lived on the coast in L.A. And I asked him Mm -hmm. to drive me 20 miles down the coast I had measured it all out. I knew where that was and dropped me off and I would run home, which he did. And uh, he surprised me because I thought he was simply going to drop me off and I'd see him at home. But he kind of hung with me and he'd put some water in the car, which I hadn't even thought too much about. And he he kind of stuck with me and watched me do this this run. And by the time I got home, um, I felt fine. I felt real good and I, I had enjoyed it. And so it was he, uh, he my husband, and I'll give you his name because he's a big part of this, this whole story. Lee mm-hmm. said to me, um, why are you going to wait another seven months to do the LA marathon? You know, you should try it sooner than that. You're ready. How many, was there a training program in that book? Like had you actually no. been, no. <laughs> I, so how no. did you, how did you train at that point? I just kept adding i i just figured that yet you needed to get some long runs in right and so i started I'm, I'm, I'm i don't remember for sure but i'm guessing that my first run was like about two miles right and then right. i just kept every week or so adding long miles mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i was traveling a lot so during the week i would uh just run whatever i could right right but um I don't know. I didn't know when he said to me, you're going to be ready. Um, I didn't know, but I thought, why not? I just ran 20 miles. I feel good. Yeah, you're good. ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I signed up for the run through the Redwood Forest oh, in nice. October. Mm-hmm. And I went to the start line and um, I was... I really had no clue of what kind of time I could do it in. But I thought if I could do it in four hours, I would be pleased with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I did it in 327. That's and really fast. It, well, you know, I didn't realize, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say that's really fast, but it was pretty I good. I would say that's really fast for your first one. Yeah, especially. At 42. That's a, really, that's, a lot of people would be very happy with it. Well, I, I was. I was, yeah. and uh, and I had enjoyed it, so I decided, because I went into it just one and done. I didn't yeah, yeah. plan on being a marathoner, but I thought, well, I'll stick around and do um, the L.A. marathon next year, mm-hmm. as long as, you know, it worked out. In, worked, it was easy to work in my schedule. You could take shoes and a pair of running shorts anywhere you traveled. And right. So um, I decided to do that, and then one day, a month or two later, I was reading Running Magazine, and I saw the qualifying times for Boston, 
and <laughs> discovered that I had qualified for Boston. And Wow. Yeah. You don't have to know much about running to know that Boston is the Super Bowl of running. Right. So I said, that's it. I'll, I'll go to Boston. And so I went to Boston that following April and had a, another good race. And at that point, because after the first one, I didn't really believe that I was a, a runner. I thought mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. kind of maybe overperformed. Um, <laughs> and after I did Boston, I, I felt that I was a, a runner, that yeah. this I had found something that I liked and was good at. So I continued with that. And I also didn't understand that the three-hour mark was really the holy grail for amateur, athlete, uh, amateur runners. Mm -hmm, but I was mm -hmm. creeping close to that. Mm -hmm. as I was going, as I was running. So uh, the second part of the story, I was very happy doing this couple mm -hmm. of marathons a year yep. and uh, worked into my schedule. So the second part of the story that takes me from there to Ironman mm -hmm. started in October of 1991. Okay. And so like six years later. No, yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, in October of 1991, I picked up a competitor magazine, uh, which is a Southern California magazine. And it was October, so it was dedicated to Iron Man in Kona. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I read it cover to cover, and I, I thought, these people are nuts. Mm -hmm. How can they do that? You know, I knew what it took to run a marathon, and I thought, mm -hmm. how can you swim and bike before you even start your marathon? Um, I, I didn't even own a bike and um, I could swim, but I was not what you'd call a swimmer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I put the magazine aside. It was interesting, but it never crossed my mind that this was something that I might be interested in doing. Mm -hmm. But I left it lying around and Lee picked it up <laughs> and he read it and he oh, came Lee. to me and said, you should try this. You'd be good at it. And, uh, you know, I, he had no knowledge of the sport, <laughs> yeah. but he knew me and he just, he kept after me. He said, you really should try this. And I, my first reaction was not interested, mm -hmm. but he just kind of did the thing where every once in a while he'd say, you should try this. You should try it. I never knew when it was coming, but he, he kept dropping that. And, um. So uh, by about December, I had reached the point where I thought, I think I could do this if I didn't have this job where I was traveling all the time. Because Which was, biking, what was your job at the time? Uh, I, I was managing the, the western part of the United States for a computer software company that oh, was based that. in Boston. <laughs> just just a little, just a yeah, little. And so job. It meant, <laughs> since I had to learn to bike and mm -hmm. swim... I, I felt like there, there was no way that I could do that with that kind mm -hmm. of job. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, but I had reached the point where I thought I, I really could do this if I had a block of time where I wasn't tied mm -hmm. to this kind of work. But mm -hmm. who gets that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I went about my way, put it aside, and I figured this may be something in the future, but certainly not now. And... Uh, uh, along with that, I guess a little bit important part of this story, which I forgot to mention, is my husband, Lee, had uh, a few months before that t 
retired from his work, his nice Mm -hmm. paying job, Mm -hmm. and was trying his hand at writing a novel. Huh. And uh, so I was the so-called breadwinner in the family at the at the right, time. We right, had no idea if right. this novel would sell and what he was going to do next. And so um, I said to him, I could do this, I think, if I had a block of time. Can't do that now. So, you know, we went our, our way. And, and I, I was fine with that. I was fine with that. Um, in January of 1992, Lee came home from a business meeting and walked in and sat down in front of me a contract that he had just signed for that book that he had just written. And he said, put your money where your mouth is, take six months off and go see if you can do this thing. Who has husbands like that? You know, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of support I had. So, at, by that point, I was, I, it took me about a nanosecond to buy into it and say, absolutely, I'm going to do this. So I went to my company and told them what I'd like to do. And uh, I made an agreement with them that I would stay through the first quarter, which, ha- which happened to end in March. And mm-hmm. then I would work as kind of as a consultant for another month or two part time whenever they needed me. And then I would be on my own for a few months while I went and did this thing. And then I would be back. So um, then the story of from when I made that commitment and started my leave from work till how I got there is a really humorous story that we probably don't have time to go into now. But I'll just give you the highlights. Kind of. I had no okay. clue you had to qualify. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> you go to I just read about <laughs> right. this thing and, you know, never, never mentioned it. Right. And, I'll um, just sign up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I saw uh, in that same magazine, I had seen where there was a coach in San Diego that coached people that wanted to do Ironman. So I called him and told him I wasn't a triathlete, mm-hmm. but I was going to go to Kona. And that phone call was was funny because he said, how are you going to get there? Meaning, how are you going to qualify? And I said, well, I thought I'd fly. And that's that's when he realized what he had here. Wow, that's awesome. You know, she knew nothing. So anyway, this wonderful guy took me on and Mm -hmm. uh, taught me everything I needed to know. Uh, But he did tell me that you're not a triathlete yet. There's no way that you're going to be able to qualify for Kona. So mm-hmm. you need to, we need to find you another Ironman and get mm-hmm. you started in this sport. Mm-hmm. And in those days you could, you know, late in the year, you could get into an Ironman. You can't do that mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I decided to do Canada in August mm-hmm. and um, we trained for that. And I made every mistake in the book, um, but he kept working with me and working with me. And you in were August, forty-eight I, at that point. What forty-eight? Were you forty-eight? I was that forty-eight. Point? Yes. Old, what? Like what? how? How did you learn to ride a bike? Like what was what was that like? I mean, that couldn't have been just like, oh, I'm going to jump on this wacky time trial bike and well, ride 112 <laughs> miles. <laughs> like, um, uh, first of all, uh, I went to a bike shop with mm-hmm. Lee, and they sh- and I said I'm going to do a triathlon, 
So they showed me a bike. It was they actually showed me a road bike, but mm -hmm. Lee looked at the skinny tires and said, "You can't ride that. You'll you'll fall in the cracks." <laughs> you know, we knew nothing about biking. Right. So right. I said, "Gee, maybe you're right." So they this bike shop sold me a hybrid bike. Oh wow! So I rode that for a little you while. You rode a and hybrid I, bike. Yeah. What? Okay, but you didn't compete in that. I'll let you continue. Oh, no, but, no okay. I'm still, <laughs> still beginning. And okay. then um, I saw where people, or in magazines, I guess, I saw pictures of people that had these clip-in uh, mm -hmm. pedals on, mm -hmm. on their shoes. So I went to the bike shop and I said, I think I need some of these. That's what triathletes are doing. So, that, you know, the bike shop just saw me as a money machine. So they, they uh, put me in shoes with the clip-ins and sent me out the door, and I went out, and I fell, and I fell, and I fell, because oh. I had no clue right. how to get in and out of these, and riding this mm -hmm. big old hybrid bike. So um, finally, this coach found out what I was doing, this guy that I had called, and he said, come to San Diego, and we'll take you to a bike shop. So he did, and I bought uh, maybe a Schwinn or something. Mm -hmm. But it was a it was a tri bike, so I I never really rode a road bike. They put me on a tri bike wow. from the very yeah. beginning. Um, and how I got comfortable and learned to ride and all, I I really don't remember. It doesn't seem like there were any was any trauma except the falling when I first right. tried the pedals. <laughs> right. Um. Uh, uh. But I don't know. You know, biking was never my strong suit, mm -hmm. and uh, it it. I always figured it was because I didn't start out with a biking mm -hmm. background. But um, So then you go to Ironman Canada. No. In <laughs> August, I decided to do um, uh, uh, my last big, I'd only done one other half Ironman. So I was going to do one final Ironman as training. And okay. it was called Mike and Rob's Most Excellent Triathlon in Ventura. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was a great race. And uh, so I went to that race. And I didn't win, but I came okay. in uh, third. And okay. so, um, I, you know, and I didn't know anything about, I knew it was a, I, I guess I didn't even know it was a qualifying race now that I think about it. Right, right. So, but we stayed for the awards because I came in third. That That's what it was. And so they called us up there and they called the uh, first place girl and said, do you want the slot to Kona? Mm -hmm. And she said, no, I already have one. And then right. they went to her, the next one, which happened to be her twin sister, and said, do you mm -hmm. want the slot to Kona? And she said, nope, I already have one. So they turned to me and said, Cherie, do you want the slot to Kona? And, you know, let me flash back for a minute. In June, I had watched a video of uh, the Ironman the year before. You know, they have the mm -hmm. NBC show every year. And mm -hmm. I... I watched that NBC show of Kona for mm -hmm. the year before, and mm -hmm. I was stunned. It looked so extreme. And I said mm -hmm. to Lee, it's a good thing that I couldn't get into that race because I'm not ready for that. Those are my exact words. So right. when I'm standing there on the podium two months later, mm -hmm. and they say to me, Cherie, do you want a slot to Kona? One millisecond later, I said, yep. I'm going to Kona. <laughs> I didn't think twice about it. So I cashed in my ticket to, to Canada 
And I was at the start line in Kona in 1992 for my first Ironman. How, how many months was that after that qualifier? Uh, that was in August and the uh, Ironman was October. Was in so, October. Okay, mm-hmm. that that was what I was. Yeah. That's what I. The math I was doing. <laughs> but see, so, I was I was ready to do Canada at the end of okay, August. Fair, fair. Right, so, right. So you, you know, were ready. You were trained. Yeah, you were trained. I uh, I called the coach from uh, from Ventura after that race, right. and I said to him, Ron, guess what? I'm going to Kona. And he said his exact words were, "Well, now you're talking." He really wow. wanted to, me to go to Kona, but didn't think that that I could. Yeah. And so we spent the next few weeks just kind of, I don't remember what we did, but he worked with me trying to build confidence probably. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, so- How did it go? Kona's a, Kona's a crazy place. I mean, mm-hmm. I've only been there once. You've been there by 21 times or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know- um, it, it's a crazy place, but you know, I knew nothing. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know yeah. anything about the race. Although this coach was really good, he'd done it a lot of times, and so mm-hmm. he really, I, I felt like I understood the course because he had really laid out for me what the course was. Um, so I felt as ready as a complete and total novice could be. Mm-hmm. But um, for, <laughs> for example, I went. They have in Kona what's what I call lovingly call the old ladies breakfast it's a breakfast on <laughs> on race week for women that are I, I don't remember 50 and over or something no it must have been 45 and over yeah cause, yeah because yeah. i was 48 so i went to it and uh the ladies were lovely and at some point they said and in those days it was pretty small you know so they were yeah. we, they were very friendly and and they said um have you practiced peeing on the bike and i looked at them like they were crazy and i said no why would you even know what they meant no that's what i said why would i do that (laughs) so they explained to me that you don't want to stop and take the time so you pee on the bike and so i they said don't go practice it now you know you don't want to practice it's hard to do (laughs) But uh, that's that's the kind of novice I was with this whole thing. That's awesome. But it was really fun because the entire day, uh, and Lee has the pictures to prove this, the entire day I had this big loopy grin on my face. I couldn't believe I was doing it. I just, yeah, yeah. every moment I was there, I would think, when I thought about it, I thought, I can't believe I'm here doing this thing. And it, it went really well. Um you know the swim. What was your time? Do you remember the first time? What was my time? Yeah. Yeah, it was twelve twenty-seven. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Uh, well, and that, that's funny because um, I, I didn't know what I could do, but I I went in thinking fourteen hours would be a great mm-hmm. race, mm-hmm. and I had my watch kicked off during the swim, so that's mm-hmm. the only. Th- thing I had to, I, I don't even remember what, what kind of computer I had on my bike, but somehow I didn't know the time of day at all or the time, gotcha, gotcha. the race yeah. time. And so when I came in and the, the bike was much faster than I had intended because, and I remember that because Lee was waiting for me, Lee and my family were waiting mm-hmm. at a certain spot based on a certain time they thought I'd be there and they missed me entirely. I had run seven right. miles before they found me and, and, so I knew that I had biked faster than they expected. And my run was still 
good at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, really fairly fast for an Ironman. So I just, I, I had a great day. And so when I came across the finish line, I glanced up at the clock that's over the top of an, an arch. And I just saw the 27 minutes. I didn't kind of register what the hour was. And right. so I rushed, rushed to, went through the finish line and into Lee's arms. And I said to him, can you believe it? I did it in 13 hours and 27 minutes. And he turned me around to look at the clock and he said, you idiot, you did it in 12 hours and 27 minutes. <laughs> Whole hour faster. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at that very moment, I knew that I had found something that I would enjoy doing right. over and over again. It's, and you did it over and over and again. And I did it over and over again. Yeah. Like what, 21 times? Is uh-huh. that correct, uh-huh. Dakota? Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that because you are now, you're 48 and you're just embarking on something <laughs> that, that most people don't embark on at 48, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how long did you continue seeing improvements? And since this is a show that talks about hormones and changes, did you go through menopause at that time? Did, did, that, did that affect your, did you notice any like, walls as far as you know that a lot of women go through during that transition like give me a little bit of what that was all like during that that period of time like you're going through this change in life and and embarking on this very large journey you know through iron man well you know first of all that's what you've asked is a huge question here you know (laughs) we've got a lot to talk about um but i will start it out by saying that I, I never really thought about my age mm-hmm. or menopause, mm-hmm. even though I knew that I was going through it. My I stopped, slowed down having my period, and the doctors yeah. always said to me, "It's really tough to f- to figure out where in the cycle you are." Right. So I knew I was something was happening, and I was having some some hot flashes. Yeah. Um, I, st- I think they started like in my early fifties. Mm-hmm. But but I I don't honestly remember ever thinking about that in relation to mm-hmm. my uh, athletics. It but, wasn't disrupting your training no. is what I'm hearing. Well, okay. I don't think so. You see, starting like right. I did, well, <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. I would, would have known. But right. um, let's let's talk first about the the timeline and when how long I could keep improving. Um, yeah. I started at 48. Yep. Um, I started winning. My first win was at 50. And okay. um, I had... What was your first win? It Was that Kona? Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. I, I'm just okay. talking about Kona now. I get... Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The first year I placed ninth. The next year I okay. placed sixth. And then the, okay. f- the next year was my slowest of the three years in time. Mm-hmm. But it was a win because the mm-hmm. conditions were just horrid much tougher than they had been the first two years i did it right so anyway so i won when i was 50 and then between 50 and 55 i had uh a lot of improvement in my times mm-hmm. set and i won many of those i don't remember exactly um so i was still making improvement and at 55 i uh one of my goals that I set for myself shortly after I started this was to to break 12 hours. 
No woman wow. 55 or over had ever broken 12 hours. I believed I could do it, mm-hmm. but hadn't been able to in Kona. The winds on the bike have always <laughs> slowed me down. Nothing like them. Nothing <laughs> yeah. like them. And so I really, I knew that with every passing year, it was getting tougher and tougher to try and accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I was, I think, 54, I went to uh, Europe uh, to Germany mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to see if I could to a course that w- didn't wind was the elements were not the major thing it was a, still a right. tough course but the elements weren't the major thing and to see if I really had an eleven uh, a sub twelve Ironman in me mm-hmm. and I did it in eleven seventeen so I I would say you I yeah. had it right yeah but I still wanted to do it in Kona so. I, I knew that my time was running out because the older you get, the tougher it is. But yeah. I kept at it. And when the year I was 55, I had my best time in Kona and broke 12 hours. Wow. So that was at 55. Then for the rest of my 50s, I, I didn't... That was the fastest time I had. I started right, right. going down. But I did you, you know, do something different in your training for that? Did your coach have you some doing anything specific to to break it? Do you mean? To, yeah, yeah. At that time, um, you know, when I went to Germany to break it, I mm-hmm. trained for speed because right. uh, it was a course that you could go fast on. The condition mm-hmm. you, you didn't have to worry about the winds. For Kona, the way that I approached it, <laughs> I had this. A, a lot of it was just mental. Um, I had this yeah. this uh, piece of paper on my bathroom mirror that I looked at many times a day that told me the times I had to do in the swim and the bike and the run. And mm-hmm. I convinced myself that there was simply no leeway. The bike time had to be there. I had to have it mm-hmm. if I wanted to do this. And And I just, I trained like crazy. The training wasn't any different it was okay. just totally focused. Okay. Wow. Um, and after that, uh, you know, I still trained hard. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the thing about Kona is on any given year, um, you can do better or you can do worse. And it had nothing to do with your training. It had nothing yep. to do with yep. how you yep. handle it. It was just yeah. the conditions. The conditions yeah. are everything. And that's good and that's bad. Uh, the mm-hmm. good part is it keeps us old folks realizing that, you know, give us a good day and we can still do something that we, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but uh, give us a bad day and <laughs> we may be in trouble. It's, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a bad day. Um, anyway, then uh, in my 60s, I, I set some records. The times were never as fast as they were in the in my early 50s. But mm-hmm. I set some records. And then in 70, when I was 70, I set a new record. And when I was 71, I went faster and broke my own record. <laughs> uh, and the course, and it would, the course record. Right, um, right. So, um, you know, I, I, and then that's when I retired from Ironman racing. I, I saw you. I saw you talking to my friend Yuri uh, from Goo because you are a Goo athlete, correct? Mm-hmm. You are a yeah. And you would you said that you you were people would be like, "How long are you going to do this?" And you'd be like, "Until it's not fun." Uh-huh. And so w- had it just stopped being fun for you to? 
Well, I, I'll tell you. That's, I mean, you are, you've been doing it a long time and you're 71. You know, I mean, I understand that Well, I would have stopped having fun a long time before <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, You know, I think it would have gone on longer, except I live in, in the Palm Springs Desert. And mm-hmm. you train for Ironman for Kona during the summer. And oh. the summer in this desert, the temperatures will range from 110 to 120. Wow. And day after day after day of that kind mm-hmm. of heat is mm-hmm. is tough. And when yeah, I first started out, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I thought it was, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and it was 115 degrees. And I thought, <laughs> bring it on. I can do this, you know. Right. But after all those years, it was just getting to be annoying. And it just yeah. takes no, over your reasonable. life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I said, um, and... and and I was very firm. I, I had always known that when I was not enjoying the training, doesn't have anything to do mm-hmm. with the racing, but when I was not mm-hmm. enjoying the training, it was time to go. In 2014, I began to feel it. I began mm-hmm. to feel mm-hmm. like maybe it was close to the end. But at 70, you're 70? I'm 70, yeah. Okay. But I, I wasn't at the end. But mm-hmm. in 2015, I was training, and it was a, it was a day in July and it was 118 degrees with some humidity. Oh, we out here once in a while we'll get a day of humidity of like 60 percent, which sounds like nothing, but with 118, it's, it's awful. <laughs> and I came home and I said to Lee, "That's it. If I can have a race that I'm really proud of, I can walk away, and that's what I want to do." So I really trained, not enjoying a minute of it, but mm-hmm. trained so that I could have that race and walk away. And mm-hmm. I did. I did. It was a really interesting race, but I had a, a race that left me thinking, this is it. I've done everything I can possibly do now. I'm, I'm good with leaving. So I, I feel like you need to tell a little bit of that story because I, I heard it in your, if you don't mind, I heard you tell Yuri and I thought it was really interesting that you found something within yourself at 71 after all these times that you didn't even really know was there. Can you share that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. The, uh, I had a couple of competitors that mm-hmm. had been gunning for me for, for years. We were very good <laughs> friends and, you know, it's mm-hmm. the best, may the best woman win. But um, I have had always come out on top and the one woman in particular uh, had really worked. She, she was looking at this as being her year too. So we were both right. at the top of our game. And, um, I usually beat her in the swim and then she mm-hmm. usually passes me on the bike. And mm-hmm. then I usually take her by about mile six of the run. Oh, okay. And, okay. And so the race was going according to plan. I got out of the mm-hmm. water before she did. She passed me on the bike at about mile mm-hmm. 40. And so I got off the bike thinking, I, I, I'm looking for it about mile six and I couldn't find her, couldn't catch her, couldn't <laughs> catch her. And of course there are a lot of people along the, the course that were yeah. telling me, um, mm-hmm. that she's, she's still ahead. She's still ahead. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once in a while somebody would get it wrong and say, we think you just passed her. Um, <laughs> anyway, I wasn't finding her <clears throat> and, uh, at at mile uh, 16, going into the energy lab, it's about mile 16. Oh, that's the worst. 
Yeah, and the energy you can very s- hot, people. Very hot. Yeah, the temperature <laughs> the rises, place, and and yeah. by the time we're out there, it's dark. It's pitch black. Yeah. Oh boy! And uh, you have to go down and then run up a hill. It's very humid mm-hmm. by that time of night, so it's a tough place to be. Um, but Lee told me as I went in, she's in, she's she's ahead of me. She's down she's in there. there. <laughs> well, I passed, and you know, at nighttime, I hadn't seen her all day, so I didn't even know yeah. what she was wearing. Right. And uh, so, but I passed what I thought was her. And at that point in that in the game, you don't say anything to each right. other. <laughs> you just so I went past this woman and I thought, that's it. I know I can keep ahead of her. I've got her. And I knew I had to really keep focusing, but I felt right. like I had her. So I came out of the energy lab and I said, I passed her. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and said, you didn't. She's ahead oh, no. of me. <laughs> yeah. So Lee yeah. just thought the race was over for me, which is strange because he knows me better than that. But <laughs> anyway, so I just uh, kept running. And at uh, a mile and a half from the finish line, you come up a big hill and there's a a, a light which mm-hmm. is the only light you can see, have seen for a yeah. long time. It's so dark. And I, another friend right, was right close by there. And as I ran by her, she said, she's just up ahead. Okay. And I looked, and sure enough, she was right in that light, just as I looked up, maybe mm-hmm. 50 yards ahead of me. And so I just turned on the afterburners and which probably wasn't very fast by that point, but it felt fast. (laughs) (laughs) And I went by her. She was startled because God love her. She felt like she, she had every reason to believe she had it. And I went flying by her. Lee was at the bottom of the hill expecting to see her first and me Mm -hmm. second. And when Mm -hmm. he saw me, he just went nuts. His head exploded. He was so excited. Wow. And uh, went to the finish line, and uh, she came in about three and a half minutes later. She said, you know, when you passed me, the head wanted to, the body just couldn't. Right. But when I realized never before in any of my races, Ironman or 70.3s, have I had to race to the finish line. That's amazing. I have always somewhere out on the highway realized that unless you let yourself fall apart, you Mm -hmm. can, this is yours. And I, in, even in hindsight, how I kept my composure all day long when I was behind and I couldn't find her, it still surprises me that I was able to do that. But anyway, when I realized what we had just done, what I had just done, um, that I just said to myself, that's it. I'm I love that story. totally satisfied. Yeah. What a way to end. Like that is an amazing story. And like, she to, I'll, to race a race like that. Yeah. And I will give her, her name is Natalie, every kudos mm-hmm. in the world because she was the best sport about it. And she had every reason to believe it was hers. So the next year I came back to watch and I told her I was coming to cheer for her. And she won the next year. Oh, great. That was nice. nice. Yeah. So talk to me about what your recovery process is, because my Lord, I mean, to do all those Ironmen and to do all that training, like, A, let's wind back a little bit. Did you ever go back to the job? 
I just just dawned on me. Like, did we go back to the? Did we go back to that workplace? And how did you fit it in if you did? And then let's talk about the recovery process. You know, after the Ironman, I called. I decided not to go back, and I called the uh, CEO to tell him, and he said, "Oh, Sheree, we knew it." And I said, "What do you mean we knew it?" And he said, "Because the first month you were gone." We'd call you and you were really interested. And the second month that you were gone, we'd call you and you were, you were helpful, but you weren't really interested. And by the third month, we all knew not, that you weren't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I, but I, I mean, I, I do, I have worked. I, I coach and I have a nonprofit and, you know, I still am yes, very yes. active, but yeah, but recovery is, um, it's a big question because you sure, as you move through the, the timeline of your life mm-hmm. and continue to do this kind of thing, you, you've got to accept several things. The first mm-hmm. thing you have to accept is that you are, it's a fool's errand to keep pushing your body thinking you're going to get the same results. Right, right. I believe that you push your body to try and get the best out of yourself. But if mm-hmm. you are under the delusion that you're going to do the same thing at 70 that you did at 50 or mm-hmm. even 60, you're mm-hmm. crazy and you're, you're mm-hmm. going to burn yourself or out or hurt yourself. So you mm-hmm. have to accept that. Um, and then you have to, to figure out what am I doing in my training that I, if I, if I do it the old way, I'm going to do a, for lack of a better term, a half-assed job of it because my body's not recovered enough to do that right. kind of workout. Right. So what I have found is that I do basically the same kind of training plan that I've always done. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the workouts aren't that much different, mm-hmm. but the uh, intensity sessions are timed very well so that you've got plenty of rest going into them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also discovered that active recovery is better for me. I used to take a, a full day of, of recovery rest when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. My That's body responds better if I have a day that is rest, but it's, it's active, active mm-hmm. rest. Um, and you've got to be really careful with that because. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to keep yourself honest. Yes. With that, right. Do it alone. Don't take <laughs> other people. Don't let them push right. you or pull you. Uh, Do you use a power meter or anything at this point? You Are know, you using any of the metrics? I, I don't. Um, I started out when all we had yeah, was heart rate monitors, either. and those were brand new. <laughs> Nobody really knew what to do with that data. I mm-hmm. I, I do things by feel, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. it's worked well for me, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not a technology nut you know, I, I work with people that are, and so I, I understand how it works and how to use it, but uh, I never have myself. So. Yeah, no, I, I respect that. I also have always trained and raced by feel. I do have the metrics, and I know how to use them, and I have used them, but I think that knowing yourself, there's nothing that there's nothing better than that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's very important. When I train people that, are, that I feel are too tied to their metrics, mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. include sessions sometimes where you take away all the toys. You they gotta, must hate that. Oh, do they, they hate do. It? They do. <laughs> <laughs> they hate it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you do it a few times and show them the benefit of what they just learned about how their body felt when it was doing certain things, 
some of them kind of came to, they were not about to yeah. throw away their toys, but. Do you, do you have any, I don't know, like all the things, do you foam roll, do you ice bath, do you, you know, like what do you, like do you have any yeah. things you swear by? Yes, I do. Uh, you mentioned an ice bath. I have an ice bath after every tough workout. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. You have a lot of uh, strength, <laughs> mental strength. <laughs> well, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. And here Tell in the me. desert, <clears throat> you have to <clears throat> get 20-pound bag of ice because during the summertime, our water just doesn't get very cold on its own. So I hoist this 20-pound bag of ice, get a little exercise carrying it up the stairs, throw it <laughs> in the ice. I put on a, a fleece with a hood that, oh that I just roll up to here. And uh -huh. then I sit, and and you got to make sure you always have a good something to read, or you're texting people something, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. something that's keeping you busy. And the first thirty seconds when you get in, it's just I scream and holler and yell. It's pure torture, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I think it helps. I think it helps yeah. a lot. I'm also um, I, I use a I call it a zapper. I don't even remember what the a Theragun kind of thing? No, well, it's like that, but it's, you put the pads on. It's, be, it's the, oh, uh, the like a, generation like a before stem, the... Like a muscle stem. Yes. It yes. makes your muscles... Pa yeah, yes. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of yep, those. I do so that. So you can just sit there and watch your muscles <laughs> contract. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I use that a lot. Uh, I'm a real firm believer in um, using the recovery window of, you know, on the, the first 30 to 60 minutes right after you yep. finish your workout, start refueling. Mm -hmm. and. Yep. um Getting a good, good meal, lots of plenty of mm -hmm. sleep, you know, mm -hmm, just kind of mm -hmm. all the nothing exciting, just things the standard things, you know. Right. Like, how much sleep do you get? Um, it around seven or eight hours. Um, mm -hmm. I try and and be in bed, um, by eight thirty, okay. somewhere in that neighborhood. By nine o'clock, I'm trying to do what I call sleep strategy, which is, you know, let's. Quiet, turn the TV off, quiet things down, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, let me read mm -hmm. myself to sleep. And, yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah. And uh, by usually at 9.30 at the latest. Sometimes it's it's earlier than that. And, um, you know, I as I've gotten older, so we might as well talk about this, um, I don't sleep straight through the night. Right. Um, the, the f when I was younger, the, mm -hmm. I used to wake up and I knew a, f a hot flash was coming. They were minor, right. but I right. knew that in a minute or two, the hot flash was coming. Now um, I'm on some meds that cause these, these uh, hot flashes again. And um, it just I just wake up in the middle of the night, but I don't really have hot flashes <laughs> during the middle of the night, oh. which, which is nice. But I do yeah. wake up maybe three or four times a night. But I... Fortunately, right at the moment, I'm going right back to sleep. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That is good. Have you been ever injured through all your training? Like any IT bands, plantar fasciitis, you know, the things that sure. most people have at some point? Sure. Yeah. Uh, most of my um, injuries have come from bike crashes. I've had oh, okay. broken collarbone. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had plates and screws twice. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a shoulder surgery from a bike crash once. Mm -hmm. um, I've had meniscus uh, in the early days of running. I had, well, in the early days of running, I actually had experimental surgery on my IT band. Oh. They, yeah, they did surgery on it, and 
it was like a miracle. It, it huh. uh, worked 100% and got me right back into the game. Um, they, they went in and actually cut the IT band and stretched mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. then reconnected it. And they don't do that surgery very often. When was that? Because I remember a time when you heard about that more. It was, uh, this was quite a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I was not doing mar- uh, triathlons at the time. It was running. Okay, it was marathoning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, and basically, I guess that's it. So I've, I've been pretty yeah. pretty fortunate. I haven't had any long, lingering things. Right, right. Any nagging things yeah. that sidelined you? No. Uh-uh. For too long. You had mentioned the meds, and and if you're okay with talking about, I know you've had, um, you've you've hit a bump, you know, recently in with with your health and with your training. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, um, um and I'll come back because there's something else that can can I say something more that about yeah, the injuries? Do, do. Yeah, that just occurred to me. One of the mm-hmm. things that um, I think has helped me over the years is that. Mm-hmm. When I came into this sport, to these sports, I, I, I was a little wiser than some of the young kids coming into the sport. And I knew mm-hmm, that the body mm-hmm. wasn't going to just last forever and you mm-hmm. needed to take care of it. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I've always really, really worked on, and I do it like every workout, is concentrating on good form. Okay. Because not only is it going to make you faster. And mm-hmm. and give you you'll, you'll be more efficient you'll you'll go longer, but it's going to help your body in the long run. So it's Truth. it's just something that I really really focus on in swimming, biking, and running all the time. And I think that that's helped a lot. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, there's no question that that would help. Yeah. I mean, poor form I think is a contributor to quite a few overuse injuries. Yeah. And- yeah, and that kind of thing. With things start compensating for other things. Yeah. Um. Before we jump, that does. Do you do anything nutritionally that's special too? Do you do any the supplements or follow any special diet? Or are you just like? It sounds like you're very common sense oriented. Yeah. But just yeah, curious. I am. Uh, no, there's nothing really special. I I work with a, a company, uh, Platinum Performance, that um, mm-hmm. helps me with supplements, and uh, they. I don't even question what they give me. I just take them because it's, it's, they, I trust them. I trust them a lot. Right, right. Um, and um, I use uh, amino acid uh, yep. to rebuild. Um, yep. I use a recovery drink that I've been using for years. It, it, it's nothing special about it. It's just a good, I like the taste of it and it's a good recovery right. drink. Um, and then, you know, no, nothing really special, just the basics. Yeah. Cool. That's that's very that's very good to know. Mm-hmm. But 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 the basics. You're very you're very. I'm hearing that you're very smart about covering your basis. You're talking about good form and good posture and good sleep, like all these things. Like it's easy to say those things, but it's really hard to do them consistently. Yeah. So I think you should give yourself definitely a pat on the back for doing for being so consistent with yourself. Well, you know this. There, if there's not that kind of thing to me. It's not rocket science. It's just basic science uh you know and and it's it's worth it you know i'm you've probably picked up too that i'm a fairly structured person and so uh you know if i figure i want to be able to do this at this time in my life these Mm -hmm. are the things you got to do yep so 
not much of a sacrifice if you really want to do this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So where, so where are we, you, you've hit a bit of a, a a health scare. I think that's, it's fair to say. So, but you look great. You do, you're, you have a glow about you. So can you talk about a bit where you are now? Uh, well, that's very sweet of you to say. Uh, yeah. Um, in 2019, um, I was preparing. I, I told you I'd retired from Ironman in 2015 when I was 71. Right, full length Ironman. Full length Ironman. Yeah. I was competing in the half Ironman, 70.3s. Yeah. And um, loving it. But I turned 75 in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, lived my whole life. I have this philosophy that live your life so that you have no what ifs in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I began to think about there is a course record set by uh, a woman who was 75. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about how am I going to feel if I don't try to break that record and mm-hmm. somebody else does. Mm-hmm. And I sat home, didn't even try. Uh, mm-hmm. It would have been four years since I had done an Ironman. I didn't even know if I could do it. But I began to think. So this is a full Ironman. This is again, a full Ironman. Going okay. back to Kona. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. After four years, and mm-hmm. not really wanting to do another Ironman, but mm-hmm. could I live with that? You didn't mm-hmm. even try, and mm-hmm. I decided I couldn't. So I'm going to go try. So 2019, I qualified. I qualified mm-hmm. for that championship. I qualified for the 70.3 championship. Everything was going great. Until the end of July, I was practically out the door going to a race, and I uh, went for a standard mammogram, Mm -hmm. and uh, they found a lump under my arm. Oh, okay. And uh, it had been there for for almost two years, and my doctor had said, it's just a lymph, I mean, a a cyst, don't worry about it. So uh, uh, it was a squamous, which you associate with, with skin cancer mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm, can form mm-hmm. on organs but okay. it got a little dicey when um they under the arm it can't form on its own there so they that that started about a six-week process of test after test after test to try and find where this came from they they some doctors said to me that they were sure that my body was riddled with it and you know it was just a terrible terrible time yeah um but during all that testing, they found uh, that one very persistent surgeon just looked at some of the tests and there was nothing there. The radiologist had all read them and said, there's fine. But he believed that there was something not quite right and did a biopsy on the left breast, which was completely mm-hmm. unrelated, different side of the body, completely unrelated. And it was a, a small little breast cancer. So now, one day I'm a able, healthy oh athlete. The next day I've mm-hmm. got two cancers. Um, but they, uh, and this is kind of interesting to athletes to hear this, what they finally determined about this one under the arm. By process mm-hmm. of elimination, this is what they figured out happened. Ten years before that, I had a bike crash. And I mentioned uh-huh. to you that I had shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. fixed the shoulder. It was perfect. No problem. I went about my way. And after a period of time, a little bump formed right here. And Mm -hmm. once again, a different doctor said, it's just a cyst. Don't worry about it. And I finally said, take it off because it's bothering me. You know, it's getting in the way. Right. 
took it off, and it was squamous. Uh. And uh, so they determined that from that one single cell took 10 oh, years to migrate down to under the arm. All from a huh. bike crash 10 years before, if you can believe that. So anyway, that surgery took both, both of them out, had yeah. uh, radiation on the, uh, for the underarm, Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, opted out of, of any further treatment on the breast cancer thing because it was so small and so caught so right. early. Right. Um, and um, now I'm on meds for five years. Uh, for so the... those are the meds that are giving you hot flashes yes. of taking you back to menopause. That's it. That's it. The idea is to keep you in menopause, which keeps the cancer away for some reason. I don't understand. Oh, interesting. But, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So is that the is that the sole unpleasant side effect that would you say well you know it's really interesting um for me that is Mm -hmm. true but getting cancer means nothing i mean being fit and healthy and an athlete Mm -hmm. means Mm -hmm. nothing as far as getting cancer right or some that's an important message i think absolutely nothing but being fit and healthy and an athlete means everything when you're Mm -hmm. fighting it And as I went through the radiation, they told me, and I read about all the possible things that could happen to me. As Mm -hmm. I started taking this pill, they told me, and I read about all the possible side effects. I've had nothing except the hot flashes. And I believe that, um, that you go into it, someone with our mindset that are mm-hmm. that are athletes and fitness people, you go mm-hmm. into it when you finally get over the shock and accept mm-hmm. the fact mm-hmm. that you got it. Mm-hmm. We, I, at least I fought it for the first couple of weeks saying, you're wrong. You can't, this can't right. possibly be the case. Yeah. Once you accept it, our, the mentality that we have is, okay, let's talk about how we're going to fix it. Yep. And you find doctors that you trust. You make sure that these doctors understand, I'm not just a typical 75-year-old. I'm mm-hmm, still in the game. Mm-hmm. And when this is mm-hmm. over, I still want to be in the game. Mm-hmm. And they take on that commitment. And then you do everything that they say. And you do it right. And you just keep believing that you can set goals for your future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just keep pushing through. I missed only a couple of days of, of workout when I that followed surgery. Other than that, all through the radiation, everything, I never missed a day of workout. And I think That's that awesome. that it you know it was it kept me sane. It kept yep, me from yep, yep, yep. my head exploding during the yep. early <laughs> days. <laughs> so, and, but I think that I, I know sadly know many athletes, too many that are going through really terrible, terrible things. And mm-hmm. they all are doing a great job of approaching it with that mental strength that, that they get. That they At develop. all ages. I have friends, younger, yeah. same age. Oh, it doesn't, it's, a, it's not a discriminatory thing yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like to think so, but yeah. it is not. Um, wow. That's, thank you for sharing that. And I, being very goal oriented, what, what do you look down the road? Tell me what you're going for. Like what now? Are you still going for that? record what are you thinking like what's the well uh that's a really good question what i am committed to is mm-hmm. the the full 70.3 uh if it all comes back next year yeah doing hopefully. that God willing. Mm-hmm. and the 70.3 world championships 
mm-hmm. I am going to do uh, the qualifying race for Kona, mm-hmm. and uh, will then determine if I if I gain the slot. Will right. then determine. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to look at. I notice a difference in training out here during the summer from seventy five to seventy six. It's harder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's harder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's harder on my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will not go to Kona unprepared. So mm-hmm. it's not the race I have to see if I'm ready for. It's the training. Right. But, right. you know, odds are that I will, f- I, <laughs> I would still be asking myself, what if? Even at 77, what if? (laughs) And as long as I believe that, I will probably do everything I can to get there and try and break that record. But you know something, probably getting there and having a good race would be the goal now. When I was Mm -hmm. 75 Mm -hmm. and then 76, Mm -hmm. getting there and breaking the record was the goal. But uh, now, so what if I don't? Because at this age, a bad day, could keep me from being able to do it, right? F- from right. breaking the record, and I'm sure not going to well, go. Don't wear your watch. Go by feel. Exactly. <laughs> Take Lee. Exactly. <laughs> I think you've. I think you've got all the and, the ingredients. And I am certainly not going to go and do it. Have a good race, and then kick myself because I didn't break the record. I would be right, thrilled right. to have mm-hmm. a good race. So right. this is not an announcement that I'm going back to Kona next year, but we'll see. Excellent. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, such a great conversation. And I, I love so much about your philosophy. With I, I've learned a lot. Well, it was great talking to you. Like I said, I've read your stuff for years. And now to have the real person the, here. <laughs> that made me really happy. <laughs> when you said that, that made me very happy. Well, I'm, I'm still writing that stuff. <laughs> well, it's, it's great. You know, it always made me feel good when I'd opened my biking magazine. And all these macho guys are telling you all this stuff. And then here's Celine, and she gives it to you straight, you know? I really love that. Well, that's our show this week. If you want more information on Cherie and her training and recovery advice and her work and her foundation, you can find it at cheriegrunfeld.com. I won't spell that out. We'll put a link in the show so it's easy to find. Again, if you have any questions, topics you want me to cover, feedback for me, I have an email. Hit play, not pause, at livefeisty.com. Drop me a line. I am all ears. And I will see you next week when my guest is Chloe Murdoch. Chloe is a doctor of physiotherapy. She's a physical therapist, a running coach, a strength and conditioning coach, and a bike fitter. Her clinical expertise includes treating endurance athletes with orthopedic and pelvic floor dysfunction. If you've ever leaked a little pee when you don't want to, you'll appreciate what she has to say. Until then, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. 
and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.